Welcome back to the Steadcast. It's great to have you back again. We are getting back into the habit of recording regularly, I promise. So, we return for our third instalment of our comeback, and it's been a couple of weeks for us, so Kieran and I have got a fair amount of catching up to do. How are you doing, Kieran? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Getting by, getting by. How about you? Yeah, yeah, getting by. I'm doing okay, thank you as well. Had a couple of little runs here and there, but do you know what? I'm actually being a bit lazy at the moment. Um, I need to get back into good habits, so... That's maybe where I need to chat to you, I reckon. <laughs> maybe. Well, I mean, part of the staple of a good habit is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. It is the long run. Uh, we've titled it the long run special. I thought about titling it the Sunday long run or the weekly long run, but we'll get into why that might not have been the best title in a bit. But I think a regular long run in your training schedule is a good habit to have. And do you know what? I think if I can jump in from my personal experience... This is what I sort of said to you when we were discussing the idea for this pod is that when I was kind of casually training and not taking my running as seriously as I do these days, I would always be kind of scared off of the long run because you get into that comfort zone where maybe you run two miles or three miles or six miles or whatever it is you do. And then sometimes you find a longer route. So for us, one that we reference all the time is Alton Water, which is about seven and a half miles round. Paraphrasing, it's about seven and a half miles round. Um, but then sometimes it gets to a point where you need to do a double and you need to really bump that into double digit mileage. And that could be 15 miles Alton water, or it could be 10 miles around the park. It could be your five mile route that you have to do two or three times. And that anxiety for me was, was really palpable. The first time I remember you set me the task to do some of these long runs. And then you sort of go on a degree of learning I guess is a fair way to word it, is you learn a lot about your body and about your mind and then you sort of finish up and you might have a few, you know, a few aches and pains to deal with at first, but that feeling of accomplishment afterwards that I did it feeling was something, it was really quite remarkable for me when I first started getting into long runs. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, if we if we take you as an example and we take it all the way back to the first long run I ever set you, it was when you were training for the mile, when we were doing Project 5, and it was just a lap of Alton Water. And off air just now, I mean, you talked quite flippantly about always being able to do a lap of Alton Water. But yeah, like you say, like that's that's that was a challenge back in the day. And I think that's one thing that's really important to consider is a long run means something very different for just about everybody who does one. And the, ver- the there are so many different variations of what a long run can be. It can be how far, it could be how often, how fast do you do it where do you do it are you doing it on hills or are you doing it on the flat do you need are you going to do it you know if you're doing a long run that has some variations of pace or something like that do you need to do it on a measured loop all of that there's loads of different kind of subtleties and nuances to how you can make the long run fit the athlete specifically and yeah for you when you first started out it was just a lap of alton water seven and a half miles over rough hilly terrain at like a pace you felt that you could maintain whereas now when you got training for the half marathon stuff like that we were saying okay let's stick with alton water let's stick with that terrain because the hills are good for strength the rough kind of underfoot terrain is kind of nicer on your joints that sort of thing but i think your longest that you got up to was it 17 18 miles Yeah, when I was training for the marathon this time last year, or just before this time last year, I peaked out at an 18-miler. Yeah, and (laughs) that 18-miler did end up breaking you a little bit for a while, but... It did. 
but that was that was my own stupid fault for I in all honesty now I reflect back on it I shouldn't have started that 18 miler I think if I'd have really listened to my body properly the the first mile of that 18 miler would have probably been enough to say this is gonna hurt um but I've you know I've learned my lessons now and the other things that didn't help on that day is because it was Funnily enough, it was my birthday that day as well, but um, that that didn't really come into it. But um, it was it was cold and grey that day as well, and mm. I remember you and I. It was me, you, and Francis started running on that day, and then you just zoomed off and did what you did. I think Francis clocked out after fifteen, and I had three miles left to go. And as soon and as you I decided didn't... to be brave, I tell you what. As soon as I didn't have somebody next to me. It was it was like somebody pulled the rug out from under my feet. It was like somebody sucked out my soul, honestly. Because, and you can see it on the splits. The splits were kind of running from like mid sevens to high sevens, and then they immediately dropped into, you know, they went they went from something like seven forties to eight fifteens for those last three, just because I I had to. I just I was in survival mode basically for those last three because it was that (laughs) it was that unknown territory for me and. It happened to be unknown territory in kind of cold conditions and kind of injured conditions, um, but yeah, I can still that. say I can still say this, and this is where it comes down to it. Eventually, is I can still say I've done it. And you know what? If I had to do it again tomorrow, even if it hurt, I genuinely believe I could get myself round. Yeah, well, now you know you can run eighteen miles. Uh, just a just the eight point two to worry about to get the marathon distance in, but. Uh, most marathon runners won't go over marathon distance in marathon training anyway. I think we had you had everything gone to plan and you'd been firing on all cylinders and the race had actually gone ahead. And, yeah, and the yeah, world hadn't think, shut down. The world hadn't ended, yeah. <laughs> I think we had you topping out about 22 miles for that. That's uh, right, for yeah. that build up. But what I think that highlights quite a lot there is, first of all, a really good example of why it would have been a bad idea to have titled this pod the Sunday long run because I think we overcommitted it to it being on a Sunday and part of that was so you could run with Ian Francis but also yeah it doesn't have to be the Sunday long run I know Kipchoge for example who made his little comeback the other day we'll talk about that for a sec he does his long runs on a Thursday breaking all the rule books maybe that's why he's champion maybe he knows something that the rest of the world doesn't yeah exactly um so he's come back did you watch it of course i watched it (laughs) of course you did i I don't i think you watched it and i didn't which is not not normally the way things like that go for us but i i kind of forgot it was happening and then tuned in for the last minute and a half or so just to see him running down the straight but he looked decent he looked all right yeah it was a really it was a really interesting race to be honest i sort of had been seeing things on social media and truthfully my understanding of how they'd done it because I assumed that he was coming back in a big city marathon I think it was I thought it was the Hamburg marathon he was due to come back in originally it should have been yeah yeah, but then that got postponed or cancelled or whatever it got coveted yeah and then it was it was a fairly last minute adjustment and fair play the NN running team who obviously have got some of the best athletes in the world to their name essentially managed to borrow an airport on about 10 days notice <laughs> and um, yeah. and, bar- and barrier off a route and and then obviously set up the course for what which turned out to be a, a very a pr- pretty watchable event I think um my fear was that sort of because it was only NN runners it might be a bit kind of 
you know, it might be a bit samey. It might be a bit kind of lacking bit some of the competitive. Yeah, lacking the competition is exactly what I was about to say. Um, but they they pulled it off. It had some it had some genuine moments of I wonder what will happen here. Um, it was watchable. It seemed like it was actually a race as well. Um, yeah. And, and furthermore, the thing that was quite nice to see is it was this sort of lapped course as well, but it wasn't like a million laps of one tiny little circuit. It was genuinely big, spread out areas, which meant that it didn't get too confusing, like who was lapping who and things like that. It, it kind of it kept itself spaced out, which I think from a viewing standpoint was quite nice to watch. Yeah, no, for sure. And the way the race went down, I haven't actually watched it, but am I right in understanding Kipchoge just sort of sat with the pack and then just sort of effortlessly pulled away with about a lap to go is that is that right uh no truthfully um it was it was he sat with the pack for for a little while but honestly you could tell that he was there to to make a statement so i can't remember exactly it was uh i can never remember how you pronounce his name it's career mate i think it was um, possibly I, who... I i honestly i haven't looked beyond kipchoge and the thing that the thing that stood out most to me and i'll make this point and i'll let you defend kipchoge on it is his splits his second half was significantly slower than his first half which is unusual for a kipchoge remember when he set the world record in berlin his second half was 60 30 something like that and to run a 204 30 which by anyone else's standards is an unbelievably fast time but to run it with positive splits when you're Elliot Kipchoge, does that sound alarm bells? I don't know. Um, but yeah, no. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, it, it was it was interesting because the, the 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 thing that did happen is because obviously at the start of the race there was a big pack and then it it broke off fairly sharpish into I think there was about three or four lead runners and then there was another group behind it. Obviously, you, you know how these things break off, yeah. and I just wonder whether there was that deliberate acceleration at the start to just kind of get the distance because it seemed fairly apparent fairly quickly who was going to go and try it and who wasn't. And then, like I say, the the runner career stayed with him until about halfway. And it looked and he looked fairly confident as well until about halfway. And then there was just this sudden surge out of nowhere. And honestly, it looked like Korea had been shot with a, with a sniper rifle because <laughs> Kipchoge was... Uh, basically, what was happening is the pacer was running sort of with with obviously, with the, um, the two of them. Korea started to drop back a little bit. And then I think... And we're only talking a couple of strides. You know how these things go. It could it, that could be anything in in the moment. It could just be one tiny little thing. But you drop back a little bit, and then yeah, well, I mean, it could in in a marathon, it could literally just be him getting bored. Exactly. <laughs> and then and then as that happened, Kipchoge kind of literally ran right up alongside the pacer and was running li- literally like in his pocket. He was he was right up next to him, and then started to go ahead of the pacer. And at that mm. point, obviously, that's when the gap started to appear. And once that gap started to appear, I think. Kipchoge just realized that he was going to win from that point and all he needed to do was cruise control. He didn't need to go out and do anything ballistic. So I think maybe the reason that the positive split happened the way it did, certainly from what I could see, is it looked like the effort was put in early to kind of work out who was going to go and who wasn't. Okay, so it was kind of a big effort followed by a conservative kind of just running it in at a reasonable pace. Yeah, and like you say, don't get me wrong, obviously like 
he's still flying. Um, and you could see that he was really, once he realised he had that gap, and you could tell he was clearly back to sort of feeling himself because he crossed the line in that sort of annoying way he does where anybody else would have collapsed and be broken and he sort of doesn't <laughs> doesn't look like he's out of all. breath yeah um, yeah you know, think... he looked very very comfortable as he crossed the line so so that was my observation as i think he he made the effort early just to kind of test the field and then when he realized that it was a good day for him he could just yeah like you say be conservative and just cruise control it in so yes or no would you be justified in saying he's back you, you can't you can't not say he's back, can you? I mean, you, I just don't, yeah, I don't think I, I don't, think, I don't so think, well. think I don't think you have enough passport to doubt him, to be honest. Well, he's yeah, I was going to say he's. I don't think he's quite as like he's not as imperious as he was in 2019 and 2018 when he was just destroying everyone and he was untouchable. But I still think he's the favourite for the Olympics. I think he's probably still got another couple of quick ones left in him, but. Yeah, I think we may be seeing the twilight of Kipchoge. Yeah, uh, how how can you not? To be honest, how, yeah, the guys, the guys getting on a little bit. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Anyway, it's... that's our that's our Kipchoge tangent. Yeah, but we'll have to make note of what times that happened in, and just be like, I'll oh, skip to this if you're <laughs> if you're not interested in hearing us like rant on about our favorite guy in the whole world. Anyway, let's let's get let's get back onto your long run topic, shall we? get back onto the long runs yeah we love a long run and you know what part of a long run is keeping yourself entertained so you need to have good little sidebars good tangents and conversations i think that fits quite nicely into as well i think an important part of a long run is having training partners having people to do it with yeah a psychology standpoint is is not to be underestimated with this and and let's be real when you speak to non-runners or people that maybe go for short runs but they they just don't understand how you can go out and you can go and run 10 miles of a weekend or seven miles before you've had your breakfast or whatever it is one of the Mm. first things they always say is oh i just get bored or if you say i don't run with music they say oh i just you know i'd get bored so yeah having somebody alongside you can make all the difference and like i said you know even in my 18 mile example because i had just had somebody with me it was that it was that I I've got someone to kind of pair with here. I feel I feel safe and I feel like nothing can go wrong when I've got someone with me. And then as soon yeah, as exactly. there was that distance, it just it just happened. And do you know what? It's interesting because talking about racing, that psychology happens in racing all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a really good example. Is you know, I wonder how much earlier that kind of falling off a cliff would have actually come if you'd not had anybody with you. Or if it had ever come, if you'd had somebody with you the entire way, um, we'll never know. But yeah, you're right as well. Like it definitely does happen in racing. There's, you see it all the time when somebody's in a pack, they look great, they look comfortable, they look like they're going to go on and have, you know, the race of their life. And then the next second, there's a little bit of separation. And then that separation can very quickly go from a couple of meters to a very long way. And they can just have completely fallen apart, slowed down when just seconds ago they were looking amazing it's very noticeable on the track especially in the the 5 and 10k yeah definitely yeah you and you see it all the time especially i think sometimes you see it especially as you come into like the last two or three laps when those that are really pushing the pace of you, you find out who's got that extra gear and who doesn't yeah no exactly and there's there's nothing better than being being that guy at the front and seeing someone drop and there's nothing worse than being that person that's hanging on and just seeing them go and there's nothing you can do about it 
Yeah. But the long run will, <laughs> moving back to the long run, the long run will help you be that guy at the front because of the physical, we've talked about the mental benefits and some of it is mental as well, being able to hang on. There's the mental callousing effect of just being out there on your feet for so long. Generally, if you're doing a long run, you're going to be doing, you're going to be, unless you're a marathon or an ultra marathon runner, you're going to be doing a long run that is longer than your race distance. We'll come, I, we'll come back to that because I want to get into the physical benefits of the long run a little bit more as well and how it helps you be that person at the front. So when it comes down to a kick in a race, who do you think wins? Do you think it's the fastest guy or the fittest guy? Well, you've got, you've got, to, you've got to say fittest guy because if you're there together, it doesn't matter necessarily whether it's been a fast race or a slow race. It's the person who's got the fitness to to have adapted to that point surely yeah no you're exactly right in in the aerobic events so let's you could say 800 and up but i think more specifically i think 5k and up the guy who's going to win in a kick is usually the guy who's feeling the freshest when it comes to the last lap or the last 400 or whatever the guy who's feeling the freshest when it comes to near the finish so if you've got someone who's been you know if we take the long run specifically focused on the long run if you've got a guy two guys that are the same kind of level it's coming up with 200 meters to go one has been doing a 10 mile long run for the last eight weeks another one has been doing a 16 mile long run for the last however many weeks but everything else in their training has been has been exactly the same one of them just let's say the 10 mile guy has a little bit more natural speed their 100 meter pbs that guy's got like a second or so on him chances are your 16 mile long run guy is going to be able to outkick his faster rival that's been doing all the same training as him except the long run why because he's not as tired and you can get a lot closer to your top era your top speed when you're not tired a kick in a long distance race isn't like it isn't a different energy system. You can't just switch energy systems like that. Like you're still highly aerobic and that's, there's no better aerobic development than a long run because you've got that time on your feet. It, lo- it allows, you know, your mitochondria to develop. You can get more, more denser and highly and more highly functioning mitochondria, get more capillaries, more red blood cells, all of that good stuff that just means that you can use oxygen more efficiently and the more efficiently you can use oxygen the easier running at a specific pace is going to be whether at wherever on kind of your range of race pace down to just walking pace that feels that is i mean you're just going to be in a better position when it comes to race day yeah and i would be interested is as your as your kind of student so to speak because i learn a lot of these things from you is is there a point where it is there a point where that extra mileage or that extra bit of training could become overtraining or it could become too long you know is say for example if you were going to use 10k as an example is there like a sweet spot before as you go beyond it it's going to have a negative effect in any way or is that just or is that just sort of subject to the athlete is that something that some athletes will really pop on a 15 miler and some will get to 12 and go do you know what i'm comfortable i can't do anything else yeah so all of these things are totally totally individual to that athlete to the individual athlete 
and everything we talk about here will have degrees of that so if you take our athlete a and athlete b again they might get the same they might get similar benefits out of one doing say if they run together if one stops at 12 and one stops at 15 miles they might get the same benefit out of that because for the guy running 12 if he runs 15 he might get to you know track session on tuesday where they're doing 10k specific stuff let's say they've got 10 by a k on tuesday he might get to that and he can only get through five of them because he's fried from the long run. So I'd say the point where it becomes overtraining is when you then, when it then affects the rest of your training. And there are two kind of ways that you can, that a long run can be overtraining. And like you said, it could be too long, but it could also be too fast. I mean, there's a huge difference between if you run for time or miles there's a huge difference between running 13 miles in an hour and a half and 13 miles in 70 minutes. Or yeah. there's a huge difference between running an hour and a half at eight and a half minute mile pace versus an hour and a half at 630 mileage pace. And that's not just in total distance covered, it's also in fatigue of the body. Yeah, that's something that's really interesting actually because again i don't want to just i don't want to just link this to the to the mental aspects because obviously we have talked about them already in some degree but i do find myself feeling really geared up in certain ways for if if i know i'm going to go out and do a long run but with a certain pace in mind i feel very different to when i treat it as a sort of time on feet i'm just going to see how i go sort of run and yeah. i wouldn't be at all surprised if some of that mental fatigue can actually carry into the performance itself i know i've had some days where even though the run itself has felt really good even if i'm going quicker i feel knackered just just mentally because i've been having to psych myself up so much to get out the door that that first mile it really feels like you're going too hard too early because you've just spent all your energy getting psyched up i don't, I don't know if that's something that actually has a physiological link but i'd be interested to get your two cents on on how sort of preparation for a long run can affect the performance yeah no um well what you mentioned there is um it sounds kind of more like a hormonal response so i think cortisol is the stress hormone and yeah it's it's something that if you have too much of that coursing around your body for too long it is exhausting that's why you go through a period of high stress and then after that after your feet after you kind of relax and calm down you kind of feel exhausted. I think you can probably notice that from any stressful period that you've had in your life. After the period is over, you kind of get that surge of adrenaline. You get that cortisol running through your body. Oh my goodness! Sorry to ju- sorry to jump in. Are we about to use this cliche maybe for the first ever time that you and I have discussed this? Are we about to say <laughs> the term "runners high"? Ooh, no, no, we're not. <laughs> not quite. No. All right. <laughs> we. That can't, that comes at the end of the I, I guess that that sort of is the the like immediately after the long run feel I think but go on then yeah fine fine we talk about the <laughs> runners high <laughs> so for me personally I get that more after a long run than pretty much anything else specifically like a good hard fast long long run so if I'm doing eighteen miles at sub six minute miling something like that just, for example just stop talking that's disgusting that's <laughs> well that's that's when i finished that and i'm like yeah like, i've achieved something today that felt good i was out for a long time and i was moving well and i'm pretty tired but i also feel 
pretty good because I didn't actually get that close to my limits. Like physiologically, that's not particularly difficult for me. But like, it's just that right balance of everything. And I know that if I go out and if I, if I did a session of, if we go back to that 10 by a K session, if I did 10 by a K at 10 K pace off of whatever, a minute's recovery on the track, that's way better for me. That's going to make my 10 K much better than that 18 miler at six minute miling. But for whatever reason, just that long run feel, that post long run feel is just something you can't really beat in running. And I don't know why that is. I think that might, maybe that's just me personally. Other people, you know, 1500 meter, 800 meter runners, I think feel the same way after doing like a high acidosis type session on the track. So something like, I don't know, 600s with long recovery at race pace, five by 600 off three or four minutes, something like that. But yeah, I don't know. How about, how about you? When's your biggest like runner's high? Do you know what? There is, I, I do know that real satisfaction from, from finishing up a long run. And I think for me, because long runs are still, they're still relatively new to me, if you know what I mean. Like I have run many, many 10Ks and five milers, whether they're just in training, whether they're me trying to go quick or whatever they are, but I'm much more familiar with that distance. So there is a good feeling when you finish up one of those. However, there is a certain special feeling to, and I think it is just that accomplishment. It is that, being able to run what for me it's like the it's the double digit mileage like if 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 somebody yeah. says to if i say to somebody oh, i went out for a run yesterday and they go oh how far did you go for me anything up to sing you know anything up to single digits and then into double digits is is for me it's just kind of standard like i just refer to it as a run but as soon as i go into 10 miles plus for me is when I start to get that kind of chip on my shoulder and I genuinely feel <laughs> but the thing is I feel like that's a more special thing I feel like not everyone yeah, I think that's, could get to that I think that's why you'll see a lot of people do that with kilometers they'll be like oh I did 10k today you, you, <laughs> do you know what maybe like, you're right yeah, yeah. But, maybe you're right yeah but that's that's six miles though I know it I know it is but you've got to give some people something right you've got to give it something Credit where credit's due is better than no run. So exactly. Absolutely. So yeah, that's that's something that is that that really gets to me. I mean, the other thing as well that I think's really interesting to to flip onto this, and I noticed that you've you've put a a where sort of note mm. on our little on our little script here. Now I'd be interested. Yeah, we'll tell you what. Actually, we've got these questions written down in front of us. So yeah. why don't we just rattle through them and yeah, we'll give each one a little bit of attention. I think why we've pretty much answered. Why do you do a long run? Well. You've got your mental benefits, you've got your physical benefits, and it just rounds off your period. It just rounds off your blocker training quite nicely. I was about to say week, but it rounds off that blocker training, whether it's 10 days, whether it's a week, whether it's two weeks, however often you do a long run and how often is one of our questions. So we'll get into it, but it just kind of rounds it off quite nicely. So that's, I think we've covered our why. So yeah, where let's go with where. I'll be interested to get your feedback because Alton Water is the natural one that we always go to. However, I have done long runs in other ways and other sort of formats, whether, like I've said before, it's two lots of a five-miler lap or whether it's, you know, three laps of something. And sometimes I find it more difficult to do, like, I know it sounds really silly. I personally sometimes find it difficult to run laps because I find that really mentally challenging to go past the point where i know i'm going to be stopping later 
I personally find it much, much easier if I'm running, say, one big loop or if I'm doing like a point to point. Uh, and that's and that's just me, but I'd be interested. No, you're to... very much you're very much not alone there. Yeah, I'd just be interested to get your sort of feedback, and from obviously the amount of people that you speak to in this context, have you ever noticed differences in when they do like a point to point, or have you noticed how they speak about different types of routes? Have you ever noticed one type of route being favoured? Um, I think there's definitely a favor towards loops. I think people like to do a big, a nice big loop, just a one lapper, um, or point to point, like you say. But point to point is difficult because obviously you've, you've got, got to get home. Yeah. You've, got, you've got to get back. So you need to either have someone that's going to pick you up, or you've got to take your phone or your credit card with you and get the bus or the train back home, or you know something like that. Or if you once a year when you drive to your MOT, if it's far enough away, you can run home. Um, but then, of course, you've got to get back there to get your car. Um, but the biggest thing with wear for me, I think, is you need to figure out whether you want to run on hills or flat and what terrain you want to run on. I think those are the two biggest things that are deciding where you want to run. So for me personally at the moment, I like to run my long runs. I like them to be hilly and I like them to be on off-road terrain unless I have to run some kind of specific pace. So... I mean, you won't get many marathoners that are doing that because often marathoners have to do a long run at a specific pace. But I think anything above or below the marathon, you kind of want off-road because it's just more interesting to look at. It's easier on your joints and your feet and all of that sort of thing to run on grass or trails or gravel or whatever. And the hills as well, like they, they keep it interesting and hills are what I like to call free fitness. I've heard you use that phrase before and it sickens me to my core, but I will give it, I will give it to you. I, I do, I do know what you mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you run a seven minute mile uphill or if you run a seven minute mile downhill or on the flat, which one do you think is going to give you the most benefit? Yeah. When you say it, when you say it like that, you make it sound really obvious. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, obviously if you're running a hilly loop, like you're going to have some downhill, some uphill. But I think that also helps with kind of the pace of the run as well is if you get moving down the hill, suddenly you'll come to your uphill and you'll be like, oh, well, I'm already running fast. I don't want to slow down just because of a bit of gravity. Like, let's just <laughs> carry on going. And that's where those free fitness gains come from. Obviously, if you stop and start walking up the hill at like 12-minute mile in, then, yeah, your free fitness is going to not be quite so free or you won't get quite so much bang for your buck. But... Yeah, I did. And this is, we're kind of straying into the how hard and fast kind of territory here as well. But I like a good hard long run. And if you haven't got anything else to say on where, I guess we can get into this or we can get into this next. But what, what else do you think about where? So my personal favorite long run spot at the moment from where I am is Richmond Park, which if anyone's run around there, they'll know it's hilly. If anyone's run around Alton Water, they'll know that's got a good good few lumps in it as well over the lap. I think both over a 15-miler, which is kind of my standard, would come out to about 500 feet of elevation change. Um, but was, what, yeah, what's, what's your thoughts? Yeah, the last thing I think I would think on it is that sometimes it can be really good to discover a new route on your kind of like rough knowledge of an area um, and I say that from during part of this lockdown I was actually living out with my girlfriend in Rendlesham which is a town sort of half an hour up the road from from Ipswich where Kieran and I have sort of met each other and, and have been based in the past and it's not particularly hilly but it does have 
forests around it. It's got lots of fields. It is that nice Suffolk countryside to keep you occupied. And I did find a lot of motivation in just going out and, like I say, keep it, keeping myself distracted. And it was quite nice because some of the difficulty that you have from running, say, 10 miles, for example, because it's a long way, was actually sort of eased off because I was looking around and I was discovering new things and I was making it up as I went along. Uh, I think it can be very easy to get complacent in certain routes because you just sort of you go into autopilot and sometimes that's really beneficial but it can have the negative effect of just making yourself bored and almost feeling cold and kind of unengaged with it and if you feel unengaged obviously that is the the root of all sorts of things you know might mean that you don't want to get up and run the next day because you have that lingering feeling uh, whereas when I discovered a new route around there I was really keen to go back because I thought, oh, well, that went quite well last time. I wonder if I can do it a little bit faster again. And because I went through that period of discovery, obviously that was something really beneficial. So I think it's important to say find your favourites, but don't rely on them 100% of the time. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I think that's a really good point as to choosing where to do your long runs is to also just keep it interesting because, yeah, it's a long run, so you need to stay entertained. Um We've been saying for months that we want to go down to either Swinley Forest, Virginia Water, or um, oh, I can't remember what it's called, Great Great Windsor Park, um, especially so I can have the caption on my Strava of, I've accidentally run to Windsor. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. to get that one in there. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, with a picture of hands, obviously. Of course. Um, or find that bit that you just sat in and get a photo there. Uh, don't think I'll have too much luck with that, though um but yeah like you say like branching out going somewhere new going somewhere exciting somewhere that has something good to look at that's going to make the time go by a lot faster when i was in college at iona um over in the states we used to every sunday we would travel about half an hour down the road to a place called rockefeller state park and i don't think i got to take you there when you visited no but it's a it's just a really nice it's got 40 odd miles of trails that are all kind of like nice wide gravel horse riding trails that you can go and run on. And yeah, it was just really good. And also for the record, really, really hilly. Like if you do a 15, 16 mile long around, long run around there, you can expect a thousand feet at least of elevation change. Ooh, yeah. You're going to so, feel that one. Properly, properly hilly, proper free fitness was unlimited from there. You could really cash in. Um, <laughs> and we all used to really look forward to Sundays because we'd get to go up to the Rockies run around there pick up our free fitness and come home and you get a little you get a little day trip out of it as well and it's just something different something to keep you entertained so it's a really good point there that i'd actually forgotten about with where is just keep it entertained make sure you find somewhere that you're excited about like somewhere that you actually want to run because if you don't want to run if you don't want to be there then suddenly that long run is going to feel a hell of a lot longer yeah and just to jump in just before we go on to sort of how hard slash fast or or any other points we want to go on to is that's where having a good relationship with people that you train with can be really good is inevitably when you meet people that live in different areas to you and things like that they will work out routes that maybe you didn't know about or maybe they will run 50% of the same route as you but then that second 50% where you normally go right is where they go left and then you sort of discover a new part of it so that's something that's really important as well I find is if you find somebody else who says oh I'll try going around this way 
always say, well, can you just show me around? Because then that way, sometimes what I feel is you don't necessarily have the confidence to approach a new route because you go, oh, well, what if I get lost down here and then then it all goes pear-shaped? The last thing anybody wants on a long run is to end up going 17 when you're supposed to be going 15. Exactly, yeah. So so that, for me, I, I know from personal experience, I've shied away from you know, going through that gate or turning left when I normally go right because that fear of I actually don't know what could happen because I've had it before where I've gone out and runs and I thought, yeah, this will be a nice little five miler and I'll take it really easy. And then I end up getting stressed because the watch is going click seven miles, click eight miles. And I'm going, oh, I can't even see <laughs> the road that I'm supposed to be back on yet. Uh, and obviously yeah, that, exactly. that whole well, anxiety is there's also comfort in routine as well. Exactly, yeah. So that's something that's really fun is, is find other people's routes. And then that way you can obviously turn into a bit of friendly competition and things as well. And, and all those things that you benefit from having a trip training partner anyway no 100 well let's <laughs> move on let's finish off let's finish off that point because one of our little list of questions that we've got there is who should you be running with and now that we are post-covid i am very happy to just give a one-liner answer to that and that's as many people as possible whoever will run with you just go with them get a group of 50 if you can yeah well i think i think you're right and and you you frequently see it don't you whenever there's all the dusty training camp footage from parts of East Africa and, and even in the big American college setups and American setups that you, you'll have taken part in, you do frequently see large groups. And mm. to bring it down kind of to maybe not quite such a long run, but to see this really, really working as a prime example is look at Park Run. How many people do you think finish their first Park Run on the basis of... I'm trying to catch that person in front of me and I don't want the person behind me to overtake me. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And the the whole thing about running with other people as well, if we go back to the long run, is if there's a group of 20 of you or 15 or whoever, whatever, that meet up and you're going for different length runs at different paces and you want to do different routes, but you're starting from the same place, like you don't have to do what other people are doing. Like you can meet up and do kind of, different things and just all start together and then go your separate ways and have a group of a couple go off the front but a couple of you want to take it easy some of you want to go an hour some of you want to go two hours you can still you can't you can still run with these people you're not you don't have to say oh well they're going two hours so i don't want to bother running with them because i've only got an hour and a half like you can you can adapt you can work together on these sorts of things um so the answer to with who is whoever as many people as you can get good answer i like it and that 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 does lead quite nicely into how fast as well um and that one is a big probably the most important question that we're going to address and probably the one that is most individualized to the person so probably going to end up being the most vague answer that we give but the reason why it's so important is on the long run more often than not it's not how long you go that kills you it's the speed that kills it's how hard are you doing this long run and i've had times where i've just absolutely hammered my long run and it's taken me a week to recover and i'm I'm, like my sessions that week have been rubbish so how hard and or fast you should go unless you've been given a specific pace to hit or a specific kind of design of the long run if it's supposed to be progressive and you're supposed to be getting down pretty quick or if you've got four miles in the middle that need to be at threshold pace or something like that, 
it needs to be done at a speed that isn't going to impact your next session. So say you're Kipchoge, you're doing a long run on a Thursday. Well, he has a session to do on Saturday. So he's only got one day to recover between that before he's, I think they do fartlek on Saturday. I think they go track Tuesday, long run Thursday, fartlek Saturday. But I mean, if you, if he's a couple of percent off because he went too hard on Thursday, he's going to be getting dropped by, you know, the other guys in his group who's Camero. He trains with Jeffrey Camero. Jeffrey Camero, if he goes a little easier on Thursday and Kipchoge stretches out a little bit, suddenly if it gets to Saturday and he's fried, Camero's going to be way up the road. And, you know, you don't want that. No, no, especially in the, their sort of Olympic grade format. No, no, exactly. Um, so I suppose that's the that's the limit to how hard or how fast you should go. But like I said earlier, like I do think that you need to stretch out a little bit in a long run. And I do think more often than not, it should be quicker than your regular easy run. Yeah, and I think and you a, know lot what? Of people, a lot of people struggle with that. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go on, you're going to rant a little bit. You're going. A lot of people struggle with that. And the reason they struggle with that is either because they're not fit enough or because they're running too fast on their easy runs. So a lot of people will do, say, say their easy run pace is eight-minute pace, and they're doing eight-minute pace on the easy six-mile runs, seven, eight, nine, ten-mile runs during the week, and then they get to a weekend 15-miler, and suddenly that's at 840s. Why? Why is that so much slower? Like, Why can you not maintain that pace for the 15 miler whereas i'll do my runs through the week i'll probably go somewhere between 650 and 710 on most of my runs for you know a 10 mile in the morning and a five mile in the evening and then i'll get to my weekend 15 16 17 miler and that will be more like 610 60 something sometimes 550 something i'm feeling a little frisky yeah and you know what i think and again this comes from my mindset only a few years ago is that I think people just assume that because you're going longer, you need to slow down. Because, mm, when it's because, actually completely the opposite. Yeah. Well, I think pe- people just people just assume, and this and this is something. So a friend of me, I won't name names, but a friend of mine, a friend of mine who's trying to just get back into his fitness and things after a number of years, kind of just falling off the wagon a little bit. He's said to me, "Oh, I'm going out and doing this route." He goes, "Should I or how much should I look to improve each time I run, or how much faster should I look to get each time I run?" And when I sort of explained it to him, well, no, it's not going to be like that. You're going to have good days, bad days. You need to mix it up with fast days and slow days and all this sort of thing. And he did obviously say, yeah, that that makes sense. And I think if you imagine it as people, people consider that they have an energy bar when they run or like a life bar. You know, in a video game, you've got a life bar. I think yeah, yeah. People I think they assume, have to ration it out for... Yeah, that's it. It's people assume that if you go out and you do your normal run, you should spend all of it on one day. And then when you go out and you spend all of it the next day, because you should be getting fitter, even though you're spending that whole life by, you should the, the result of it should be going quicker. So then when people say, okay, we're well, going to double your distance, does that mean you need to half your speed? And I think that's probably how most people that don't understand the kind of format of a, of a scheduled training plan are probably going to think and like I said that was that was myself included not all that long ago but I do agree with what you've said and I find myself now that I now that I find my self pacing much more evenly for easy runs I will frequently go out and I'll run something like 
eight minutes for my easy runs. If I'm going to go out and run six or seven miles for an easy run, I now like to set myself an eight minute pacer and I can do that on my watch and I find that really easy. But then when I go out on the long run, I very, very, very rarely actually look at my watch because mm-hmm. I just sort of run it to feel and just let the legs go a little bit. Exactly. And chances are when I'm just sort of letting the, letting the legs go and, and letting them do what they want, I actually noticed that my kind of what I'd call like plod along pace, like my comfortable pace, my conversation pace, if you will, uh, that we've talked about in the past, yep. it, it tends to it tends to sit faster. And sometimes that's sat all the way from like 650s uh, down to like 740s, you know, depending on the, the day and fitness and all that sort of thing. But I do find myself in general averaging out much quicker when I go out on these long runs purely because I'm not trying to drain the energy bar I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to go just out and feel see what it feels good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, there is, there's definitely all be able to associate with is when you are fit and when you're going into a long run with just the fatigue of the week, but not really, you haven't overdone it on your easy days and your sessions and stuff like that. And you're able to just kind of stride out a little bit and feel good. Like, you're not really running fast. You're nowhere near your top end speed. You're nowhere near any kind of threshold or tempo type of speed. But you just feel like you're moving well and you're running fast and you're covering the terrain well. And that's a speed that you're very easily able to maintain. And there's no reason why, yeah, there's there's just no reason why your long run should be slower than your easy runs unless it's specifically supposed to be. Unless it's a day where it's like, let's just get, 12 miles in it's still your long run but you want to drag it out and we want to recover because we're doing this on sunday after you've just done a really hard session or a race on saturday something like that yeah another, um, another thing that i could just jump in and say as well is that I've, it's about it it sounds really obvious but just keeping yourself warm is sometimes i find myself when i've gone out for easy runs that are deliberately easy if i'm not maybe dressed correctly you know if it's too cold physically or something like that and I go out and I know I've got to take it easy I do sometimes find myself feeling quite chilly whereas for long runs obviously you get to that point where because you're just exercising so much you have to get warm and your body does warm up and it stays there and obviously when your body's warm you're more likely to perform at that kind of sweet spot level so sometimes I've had it literally where I'm just exercising for longer and my body just forces itself to get to a quicker point yeah no that makes sense i mean i i have that myself all the time as well generally my long runs will or my runs in general no matter what often the first mile will be the slowest and the last mile or somewhere in the middle will end up being the quickest it's when you're when you've got that kind of nice combination of not being that tired and still being relatively fresh but also being nice and warmed up you know, your blood's flowing to all the right places and you're feeling good and you've got yourself warmed up. You've hobbled out the door because whatever, your planter's tight or your hips are locked up, but you've got it all moving nicely. Everything's nice and lubricated and you're just ready to roll. And yeah, the long run, I think, really compounds that in a way that normal runs usually don't because like you say, like they're just, they're too short. And I think for the long run as well, you're kind of in that mental zone where, however fast or slow you go a long run is going to kind of suck (laughs) yeah we know that feeling we know that feeling yeah like if you go fast or if you go slow like it's just it's going to be kind of difficult at some point just because 
you're on your feet for so long. But, you know, if you kind of use that in the right way, you're already mentally engaged to kind of embrace it sucking a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, that that's where the extra pace, I think, can come from. And that's why it can feel easier to go a little quicker sometimes on your long runs than on, you know, a regular recovery run day. And I think you should roll with that. I, and that's that, to me, I think, concludes it quite nicely to for how fast you should go on a long run is roll with the pace that you feel is right and like don't be afraid to get moving a little bit but the limit of that the upper limit is don't let it affect your next session that you have to do so if you're doing your long run on a sunday and you've got 10 by 400 on a tuesday you don't want to feel any of that long run in your 400s does that make sense it does make sense excellent right so what should we move on to next we've got We've got what event are you training for, how long or how, when slash how often to do your long run. I mean, how long I think ties in with what event you're training for. I think those two are pretty much exact, almost exactly correlated to each other. Um, So what do you think? Yeah, I was going to say those two sound like they would join up fairly consistently. Mm. Okay. Uh, Well, yeah, let's just jump in with them then, shall we? So... What event are you training for? I think we can kind of target an event and just sort of give a brief overview of what your long run should roughly look like. Uh, I think we can group the 800 and 1500 slash mile all in together. Generally, these guys aren't going to be doing as long of a long run. But usually it will be pretty, it will be pretty snappy in the winter and then probably pretty not snappy at all and shorter in the summer. Um, again, this isn't an event group that I think is particularly popular with our listeners as well, so we won't harp on it too much. Um, but your middle distance runners, you just don't need it quite as much unless you're kind of the top of the top and you're having to deal with going through several rounds at a championship or something like that, you know, heat semis finals. That's when you need a little bit more of that endurance. But in terms of racing a one-off 800 or 1500, I don't see why you really need to go much more than an hour and a half for a long run. Um, physiologically, there's a, you, there's reason to go up to two hours at a reasonable pace in the winter. But, I mean, when you're in competition season, generally these milers, they're doing three fast sessions a week, something kind of something semi-aerobic, something relatively pure speed, and then something kind of acidosis tolerance. So these guys are going to be pretty tired from their sessions and a different type of tired to what your endurance runner would be. So the long run for most of the year for them would want to be shorter and slower. If you then move up into your 5K, 10K type of runners, it's going to want to get a little bit longer, but not quite as long as your half marathon slash marathon type runners. So for myself, I found my sweet spot when I'm training for the 5K, 10K is somewhere from 15 to 17 miles, which if you're listening to this and 15 miles is going to take you two and a half hours, you don't want to do that. I think time running to time on long run is also quite important for anything below the marathon. I think only when you get to the marathon should you start basing your long run on mileage rather than time. So generally for me somewhere between an hour and a half to two hours is the sweet spot 
generally about an hour 45 is what I'll do most of my long runs at when I'm training for the 5k 10k and in terms of pace for that like it will vary based on kind of what I'm doing within the training week when you're training for the 5k 10k myself especially I'll kind of alternate weeks between having a week that's quite heavy on specificity and speed and sessions versus then a week that is a little bit more heavy on mileage aerobic development tempo that sort of thing and in that week i'll kind of get after a long run a little bit and i'll go a little longer and a little harder whereas the specificity week generally that will just be 15 at a relaxed conversational easy pace okay that's interesting and then just to sort of bring it up to the marathon kind of as a, as a final point on that is there anything in particular that the marathon stands out because because of obviously the extraordinary length of the of the race itself is there anything different that you need to do for that or is it just oh, is, yeah. is it just is it just simple that you need to just build it up to those sort of you know 20, 20 mile areas just so let's say for the average person more so than the elite runner just the average person needs to know they can run 20 miles because it's a long way yep so there there are kind of two somewhat contradictory schools of thought that i have on this so my first thought is I really, I don't think anyone should be running for longer than three hours, no matter what their level is. Interesting. But I also think you can't have any hope of running your best marathon unless you can run at least 20 miles in training. doesn't matter what pace it is, but you'd want to be able to have at least run about 20 miles in training before you've even, you've attempted to run your best marathon or a marathon to the best of your ability. And if it's taking you over three hours to run 20 miles, then don't do it. Stop at three hours. Because um, I think that's just too long. Nobody needs to be taking more than three hours out of their day just for running if they're running the marathon. Ultra running and things like, like multi-day events, that sort of thing. That's a whole different kettle of fish that I my, my knowledge on how to train for that stuff is fairly limited, if I'm honest. Um, but for the marathon... Like I say, you need that length. You need to be able to do. You need to be able to have different types of variation of long run as well. So you need to be able to do a long progressive run, which I would normally, for most people, I would limit that at about eighteen. But by the end of that run, you're running under marathon pace, so you're running fast by the end of that. There's also long runs with variations, so that could be anything from a couple of miles going easy and then. You could do it to time, so you could do an hour of one minute on, one minute off, or you could do some alternating 1K, so 1K at a couple of percent quicker than marathon pace, and then followed by 1K at a couple of percent slower than marathon pace. I think it's something like 95 and 105% of marathon pace for 10 miles or so, just alternating between those two Ks. Or you can do four by four to five by two mile with a one mile flow at marathon pace first and then slower than marathon pace marathon pace plus 30 seconds something like that but either way you need to have those variations and yeah it's just it's just different when you're training for the marathon like the long run becomes probably the most important day of your cycle when you're training for the marathon so yeah. if that makes sense no yeah and and from somebody who did obviously a decent amount of training for their own marathon effort i i can 
I can understand that. Um, and then also you've talked about how often slash how does it fit into the training program. Now, I think those two mm-hmm. can kind of link in the, in the way that we linked up the last two couple of points. And I guess a, I guess a really obvious one is, is it's just, you don't want to burn out. Like you said, you don't want it to affect mm. the rest of your session. So I think you'd have to have a special kind of crazy in you to be going out and running two long runs a week because it would just get to a point where your body would just give up I'd have thought yeah no definitely so how often and how to fit it into your training program this is the one that requires the most degree of specificity to you yourself the athlete the one who's doing the work you need to know what works for you and the only real way to do it is through trial and error you need to look what you've done in the past what's worked what hasn't the typical is to do it weekly on a sunday that's that's why you call it the sunday long run or the weekly long run whatever kipchoge's is weekly on a thursday but that doesn't work for everybody and you don't have like it doesn't have to be on a sunday it doesn't have to be every sunday if it works best for you to do a long run every 10 days or every two weeks that works and that's that's fine like that's just what gets you from a to start line in the best shape possible to run the best race you possibly can with the marathon was specifically with the marathon i think you need to build the rest of whatever your cycle is whether you're on a weekly cycle a two-week cycle or a 10-day cycle that entire cycle needs to be built around the long run especially for the marathon and it's my belief that the cycle should be built around the long run or should at least culminate in the long run no matter what distance you're training for in terms of endurance running so from 800 all the way to ultra running i think that the cycle needs to either end or be built around that long run i i honestly think it's that important yeah but, that's interesting but i guess the thing is is that so much of this is what we've already discussed is it has both really strong mental and physiological benefits and i think that's i think what we've what we've said is the long run is probably how you feel most confident in the in both of them is it it, it, because you're doing such a long period of exercise it just batters you the most and for me certainly I feel like there's no I know I it almost feels like when you're doing a shorter session that you can kind of not literally but you can sort of step off the treadmill you can get out of harm's way a lot easier whereas with the long run you're really in the thick of it and there's no easy way out yeah no kind of i mean yeah that that's the thing with the long run i think you said it there is it is kind of the most damaging of the sessions that you do and the frequency of how often you do that it does need to reflect that so you can't go out and do a long run every couple of days like it needs to be you need to think about when you're going to do it and like you said you you need to be able to know that you can do it when you do it because you can't just step off the treadmill or you can't just you're not running laps of the track it can't be oh i'm three quarters of the way through but i just haven't got it today so i'm going to step off if you're three quarters of the way through a 20 mile long run you could be five miles away from home yeah and we all know how that feels where when those last five miles suddenly feel really really long those last five feel a lot longer than the 15 you've already done yeah no no exactly and yeah like it it's gonna be like that for just about every long run but there's you just have to know whether you have it or not yeah so i think kind of in summary and obviously we've covered a lot of points here is that 
it, it sounds like such a cliche, but it is a person. You know, all of this is personal. And I think probably if I were to choose from my experience is that those long runs, you sort of need to break the ice with your first long run. And that doesn't necessarily need to be double what you'd usually run, but maybe it needs to be no, what you'd oh, usually Jesus. done. It needs to <laughs> yeah, be what you've usually done and a little bit. And then once you've achieved that, you then do it and you need to sort of you need to break that mental barrier for yourself until eventually you sort of realize that you can do it and like I say break break the ice and then once you've once you've started to understand that I think that's when it's going to give you the confidence to really attempt the the kind of the scary long runs you know if you're if you're used to running those five milers you're not going to jump straight into a 10 are you you're going to maybe go no, for six needs- seven and then by the time you've done those a few times all of a sudden the 10 doesn't feel so intimidating yeah it needs to be something that's just about manageable uh and you can then build off of that so yeah let's say you're you're starting to you're starting off training for a marathon and you've never run a long run before in your life your longest run ever is eight okay fine do an eight this week or whatever do an eight at the end of this cycle do nine at the end of the next cycle 10 11 uh, until you get up to you know your your target long run for that marathon block which you know it might be 20 22 i've known marathon runners to do as much as 30 but those are the elite guys that can do 30 in under three hours um yeah i know stick to stick to that three hour rule i think the three hour rule is is something relatively important that we've brought up there but yeah, I I think that's just about all I've got to say about long runs. I don't know if you have anything to add other than just to talk about how much you hate them again. <laughs> no, do you know what? I've I've honestly in my time I have learned to appreciate the the I don't know the finesse, the art form that is the long run, and I can certainly respect the days where I've done them and they feel easy peasy, and then I can certainly respect those other days where they feel like they've hurt. So. The, the... <laughs> either way it's often one of my favorite days of the week certainly one of my favorite sessions yeah and you know what i think part of the other reason it I, I liked it and certainly from sort of where i was a year ago in my sort of personal life and stuff like that is that the long run was always the liberation for the days because when you are running a shorter run it's very easy to sort of shoehorn it into the rest of your day <laughs> oh well i've got an hour here i can go and run for 40 minutes and then i've got you know my 20 minutes either side to come back home and get changed and, and that sort of thing whereas when you're going out for two hours for example you know to you've got to write that time off yeah and it, it, it is your time away from home and and i think that's probably something that has its own special little merit so yeah i think it's a i think it's been really interesting to hear all of the different feedbacks and and some of your experiences and hopefully people have found some of my experiences interesting as well so i guess the last thing is just anybody who's been afraid of it or anybody who doesn't normally know how to approach it you can't say you don't have the the right tools now to to go out and challenge yourself yeah no exactly and you know what maybe there's probably going to be some people or a fair few people that have listened to this pod during a long run and we'll apologize because we've not rambled quite as much as we usually do so you might have to find something else to listen to if you're doing a a proper long run because we are we're done i've got nothing else to say i'll let you wrap up yeah well again thank you so much for listening to us we will aim to be back with you again soon and maybe next time we'll have to go out and record for three hours so then that way we won't have anyone moan at us for for when they're going out and doing some brutal 18 mile (laughs) (laughs) yeah but not a second longer because no one should be running that long no too right okay everyone well thanks again for listening and we'll catch you on the next one